Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Do Business Better podcast. I am Damian Mason, but you know that because you just heard that in the introduction. My guest today is Rick Roberts. That's him. Over here on this side. And Rick Roberts is a friend of the show. He's also a friend of mine. He was in episode number 18 where we talked about turning comedy into a business. A lot of people don't think comedy is a business, but it is very much so. In fact, it's how this man has made a living for 25. Started in 91. So however you do the math on that, I think 29 is right. 29 years. Okay. So the fun part of this is Rick and I are both guys that have been paid to deliver a joke or two. Uh, It is a business. Most people don't think that. In fact, one of our gripes mutually is that we get disrespected as a business. But today we're going to talk about business stuff that everybody can use that they can apply to their life and stuff that you and I know from running our own little businesses, which were comedy based businesses. Absolutely. And sometimes that can be a struggle when you when you start the business part of it and you're traveling, you're performing on stage, you're giving programs, you still are the business. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about how we can keep that working while we're traveling, when to give us ourselves some slack and how we can pull it off working from the home too. All right, so we're going to get right into it. There's all kinds of lessons in here for you. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about time allocation. We're going to talk about discipline. We're going to talk about working from home because we live now in a gig economy uh, more so than we ever have. People are freelancing, elancing, entrepreneuring, etc. Uh, I'm going to get it off my chest right now. If you keep up with any of my stuff, dear listener, you probably have heard me say, I get mad that comedy gets disrespected. Um, I'll give you an example. If we were at an event, if we were at a social event, which I don't go to very often because I don't like people, but if Rick and I were at a social event and there was a, a dentist, uh, a plumber, uh, uh, you know, a lady that has a, a dry cleaners, uh, and then one of us, uh, they wouldn't ask the dry cleaner to press their shirt. Right. They, would, <laughs> right. they wouldn't ask the plumber to go in and fix the toilet. Maybe they would if there's a party and all of a sudden somebody uh, dropped yeah. too big of a bomb. All of a sudden, maybe they would do that. But they wouldn't ask the dentist to clean their teeth. But all of a sudden, they would ask you to perform on demand. Yep. Oh, you're a comedian? Oh, you got your comedian. Say something funny. Say something funny. And it's gotten <laughs> to where these people say that, and they don't even realize it's, it's insulting. Yeah. Uh, it's it's inappropriate, frankly. Yeah, go to work right now. Yeah. You were having a blast a second ago. Go to work right yeah, now. Yeah, you're at, you're at my kid's bar mitzvah, so clearly you must want to be on stage right now doing what you do for a living. So <laughs> Rick and I both have that. Uh, what's that like? 29 years for you, 26 for me. I don't do more. I'm not really a comedy guy so much anymore, but still, it's enough of the background. Yeah. I still have people that say, hey, do a little Bill Clinton. Do a little bit of Bill Clinton. Would you do a little Bill Clinton? And I think, no, I don't want to do a little bit of Bill Clinton. Right. Well, I'm the same way because I do have the Barney Five thing. So if they really want something quick, and a lot of times they'll say he does a Barney Five. I just go, well, how are we doing over there? And I just let it go. If they want more, I go, well, I'm waiting on the other 300 people to show up so we have an audience because stand-up is not conversation. It can be conversational, and a lot of comedy is now, but if somebody wants you to perform a joke in a party setting or somewhere where it's not 
a lit stage with a microphone and audience. It's a different animal. So no, it's not. It's not just something that you just drop into the dinner table. By the way, if you're listening, you don't know this, but if you're watching the video, I asked my lovely bride, Ms. Lori Mason, to come in here and take a couple pictures. And so I said, she says, "Why?" I said, "Because we have people on social media saying, what's this behind the scenes look like there at the Western headquarters of Executive Entertainment, De La Rosa Farm?'" So Lori just took the pictures. Uh, those of you that are listening didn't see her, but she's in the image. Hi, honey. All right. About the business, about besides the fact that we think you get somewhat disrespected uh, and the profession, the craft doesn't get the credence that it should. It is a business. It has been a business for you. It's a home-based business that also you go on the road to make your living. So you and I have always done something like that. Right now, I get paid to do speeches at corporate events, and I deliver them in a comedic manner. You are a comedy background guy that does keynote speaking. You still do some level of comedy. You don't really do clubs much anymore. You travel to make a living, as do I. Uh, people that don't travel for a living say things like, boy, you know, it must be nice. Just get away from all this. I'm like, well, get away. Like, they have this idea you're going to Jamaica and sitting on a beach, which you're in Wisconsin at a Holiday Inn uh, doing a group of 200 insurance sales reps. Um, how do you keep your discipline? How do you keep it? How do you keep your energy? All those things. 51 years old. You've been doing this for 29 years. How do you make it roll? Well, there's no perfect week or perfect day, but I tell you, Setting boundaries is the most important thing for me, and it took me a long time because I'm a very I'm a people pleaser by nature. So it took me a while to be able to tell somebody, you know, I will be here at three in the afternoon, and the show is at eight. And it would be nice to go have dinner with you before the show, but to get ready to do the job I need to do for you, I kind of need some downtime in the hotel room, kind of relax a little bit. I think I've even told you before on my on the podcast or off. If it's a nice hotel, I like to run a nice hot bath and just chill out and just quiet. I'll put on a little Mozart or something in the background and just like decompress. Because to get to the gig, you got up at 5.30 a.m., you stood in line at the airport, you stood in another line through security, stood in another line to get on the plane, you waited for people. All that stress, you're carrying into the gig unless you find a place to release it. And if, if you got to go to a dinner right after you hit the hotel, you're not finding a place to release it. And guess what's where it's going to happen? on stage because you're not you're not going to be focused you're going to snap and that that has negative effect on everybody you bring in a comedian but he snapped on everybody yeah so and, setting and boundaries I, and, I, and i've been that person because i uh, i'm more hot tempered than you it's interesting i used to work with an agent who is a got a real pain in the ass frankly but uh it, he, he was didn't understand the craft didn't understand creativity you know, I was bumping uh, you know, 90 to 100 gigs a year back then, so you're on the road almost 200 days to make that happen. And it's not like you're at a club for five nights in a row. You're at the Holiday Inn in Wisconsin, then you're hopping a plane, like you said, get up at 5.30 in the morning to go and catch the next gig, which is in uh, you know, Sacramento at the Hyatt. And so I remember this guy, and I was just laying on my hotel bed like at, 5.30 p.m. I got to be on the stage probably around 8 p.m. after dinner. And he kept bugging me like, aren't you getting ready? Aren't you getting ready? Aren't you getting ready? And I was just like watching Seinfeld reruns. And I finally said, you know what you need to do? You need to leave me the fuck alone. I'm not going to be funny at all here in a little bit. I said, I need about a half hour of Damien time because I've been on planes and I've been around people. And I said, I need just to just lay here and just let it go for a little bit because 
when it's showtime, <laughs> it's going to be a show. But I right now just need about 30 minutes of watching uh, Simpson reruns or something. Um, so that's the discipline part about it, which is interesting. People say, you mean watching the Simpsons reruns in your Holiday Inn or the Hyatt in Sacramento is discipline? It is because you know what you're getting paid to deliver. Well, it's the same thing for people that, that realize that you, you have to take vacations in order to be productive when you're not on vacation. That's something I struggle with for a long time because if we're on vacation, we're not bringing in money. But there are definitely, especially now that I've got a family, times of the year that I really look forward to because I'm, I'm going to be on, on the computer very little. And that's my least favorite thing to do is be on the computer. And I can come back a little bit energized. But on, this, on the same note, though, here's a lesson that I learned a while back that's been super helpful is when you come off the road – you're bringing all that stress into your own house. Yeah. And if and I used to come in and I, you know, I'd be haggard so I'd drink a coffee on the way home so I've got coffee going, I've got tired and I've got family right at the door. Yeah. What I was told and what I do now and I, this is my biggest tip of the day, is stop somewhere between the airport and your house. I'm lucky I live pretty close to a lake. I mean, less than a quarter mile. I'll pull into the 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 area there. And I'll just look at the water if I've got to check email before I get home. Yeah. So I don't walk in the door and I start checking email. If I've got to return a call, and I'll just chill out. I always have a case of bottled water in my truck. I'll grab a bottle of water, drink that. When I feel like, okay, I'm clear-headed, I'll go home because I know the first thing that's going to happen is there's probably a, a, sh- a short to-do list of things. Yeah. There's kids that I want to play with and have fun with, and there's a meal probably waiting on me. I don't want to walk in and deal with, I don't even bring in my luggage until the kids are already taking their baths and ready for bed. So three or four hours usually when I come home. Okay, you are more disciplined than me because I come home and I, I always want to then get back to normal. I call it the get back to normal time. Um, yeah, I want to see my doggies and I want to hug my wife. I also then, I want to unpack. And then while it's still in my head, I do a repack because uh, that's what, how anal I am. That uh, I don't need it to be that everything is already in the suitcase, but I want to make sure that I knew that my my toothpaste was almost out. So I go ahead and do my repack while it's in my head. So I do an unpack and a repack. And then I need about 10 minutes where I do a couple little things that I was thinking about on the airplane. Jot down a few notes, cross off two things, and then I'm good. All right, working from home. You and I both work from home. And a lot of what we've had to do is be creative. Sometimes you're the business CEO. Sometimes you're the business chief creative officer. Sometimes you're the CFO because you're managing the money. You wear a lot of hats when you run your own uh, racket. What do you do about, um, because I see people all the time that say they're going to work from home and they're going to start their own business. And I'm like, your habits are terrible. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I never have the TV on. Uh, maybe either. for 20 minutes in the morning just to go around the world real quick about what the quick headlines are. And that's more my wife's doing than mine. Um, I don't watch TV during the day. The TV is not on while I'm working because I think it's a terrible habit. I have a designated workspace. Uh, you're looking at it right now. If you're watching this, uh, if you're watching this video of us doing our recording, this is my designated workspace. Uh, my wife has her designated workspace. Um, I am very religious about when you make calls, there's not uh, a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, noise in the background. I don't listen to music. Those are some of my good habits. What do you do right about working from home and working on the road, etc.? At home, it's a little bit easier. I, on Mondays, it's getting the whole week prepared. So Mondays, I write thank you notes for all the previous week. I used to try to write them while I was traveling and it was just too much. Yeah. I write the thank you notes and I make a note that I've sent it already because there's been sometimes people say, you sent me two thank you notes. Yeah. You must have really, I said, I just forgot that I sent the first one. <laughs> and as I'm writing the thank you notes, I make sure that all the information from the gig is imported into a spreadsheet for my taxes. All my travel is done. Yeah. 
Um, I've set up a separate email just for travel, which has been a good thing I've done here in the past two months, which has kept my inbox a little more manageable. Everything goes to Rick Roberts Travel at Gmail, so I, I can offload that to somebody else who's in the pipeline to help me out with logging that those okay, receipts. You're a little more organized on those things than I am. Uh, that's interesting. Now, when you're not at home, this is the other thing that people wouldn't get. Uh, I can get a lot of work done sitting in a Marriott hotel room at the desk in the hotel. People wouldn't think that. Again, the TV's not on. I'm not blaring music. I'm sitting there uh, writing a column, uh, working on a book, um, recording a video, uh, emailing clients, um, doing client preparation work. And I think a lot of folks don't realize that. To me, I, I think sometimes it's really quiet. Say you get to the hotel, your your gig is tomorrow morning. You're at uh, you're at eleven a.m. You're the morning closeout before they uh, leave for the the three day conference, right? Over. I can get there, meet my client, go through all my stuff, and then I can go and sit in that hotel room from like five p.m. until eight and just crank out stuff. You same thing at home. I've got all the distractions of home and all the the pleasures of home. I got a little hot tub, and I like to go. Sit out there, you know, every couple of hours for 20 minutes and think. Then I'll come in and whatever I was thinking about, I'll, I'll put into play with the work. But there's the kitchen at home. And, uh, boy, I spend a lot of time in the kitchen as well. But in the hotel room, you know, again, it's a pretty limited environment. So there are things that pile up throughout the, the weeks and months that I'll save just for when I'm in a hotel. Sometimes it's like very easy, mind, almost mind-numbing things to to kind of level off and then i can focus on some writing all right so i know that we're doing a lot of, we're talking about what we do and i guess the thing is we're always needing to apply this back to the listener because they're saying great i don't do what you do i'm not a comedy guy or a comedic speaking person real simple have good habits have good office habits and then also you're talking about time time utilization everybody well i don't have time well i was traveling i know how that works but sometimes when you say well i'm just going to do nothing right now uh, because I'm not at my home office. That doesn't mean you couldn't be at the desk in the Marriott for those two hours and cranking out stuff. You said something smarter. You save stuff back. It's the old proverbial rainy day project. Yeah, because if I'm doing that stuff at home, and home is where I'm more creative for sure, then I'm, I'm killing my creative productive time. And I'm pretty aware of when that is. It's between 10 and 1 o'clock, 10 in the morning. My coffee kicked in somewhere around 9.15, 9 9.30. I never do... Uh, I know what my creative time is, so I never do work tedium stuff, data, entering data in the computer or booking travel or any of that kind of stuff. I set aside a clear slate time period in that 10 to 1. Per and it might only be 90 minutes that day or it might be a half an hour but until I get the result that I want. Somewhere in that mid, late morning to early afternoon. That's really disciplined. So the average person that, uh, you know, says, great, I've got a small business, but I'm not a comedy guy. What do I what you're taking the lesson from there is know your time, know your know your yourself. Uh, for instance, I agree with you. I have people that say, I do want to connect at you know eight in the morning. Which if you're being paid, that's one thing. I'm like, you know, if I if I have it to my way, I'd like to get up, uh, make Lori's coffee, do a few things, and then I like to sit and crank out and uh, be uh, in the morning. Um, so yeah, the lesson there is know when you are good at doing what you do and apportioning the time. Yeah, I call it zone time when I do my productivity speeches. And everybody's time is different. And here's here's a, a thing that companies can learn from this. Find out when your employee's zone time is. 
let's let's just say you have a let's make it really easy. You got a hundred employees. Fifty of them, their zone time is the a.m. Okay. There's another fifty. Their zone time is the afternoon. It takes them a while to get going. Yeah. Well, when you have group activities and group tasks and projects, why would you pair up the afternoon people with the morning people, and have them try to? Because only fifty percent is going to be effective. Have the morning people tackle the big task in the morning. Have a different project for the afternoon people in the afternoon, and the productivity level goes off the chart because suddenly you're not having half the group dragging the other half down. All right. Talk about uh, applying your time. And this is one where I see a lot of folks when they're moving into a situation, they're going to run their own business or they're going to start their own thing or maybe the economy forces them into the gig economy because they got downsized or whatever. Again, we talk about discipline, uh, distractions, TV, etc. Those things are death. And everybody's like, no, I can do it. No, you can't. You, you, you and I both know. You cannot watch TV and also do math equations. 2.5% <laughs> of people who are singled out by their employers, Fortune 500 company employers, as being great at multitasking could actually multitask. There's been multiple University of, of Utah psychology department asked Fortune 500 employers to send them their best. And these are people that had fooled their bosses, Yeah, you know. But only 2.5% of the people that were highlighted at being great at, at, at multitasking could actually do it. The lesson there is there are some people, out of 100, there's two and a half. And if you're half a person, you're overachieving all day long. Yeah, right. That's you're what right. I like to it's, say. It's, it's right. So those people really have to get a grab on their boundaries and not let anybody interrupting them when they're multitasking because they're doing the job of two and a half People. Yeah, so you got you got people that think they can and they can't. Uh, the reality is, you can't watch TV and uh, create your business uh, unless your business is somehow involved in TV production. You are not going to be uh, on the phone blabbing to your friends and also uh, deep thinking about your business. So you and I talk about the discipline stuff, uh, allowing yourself downtime. That's very important, but also realize that downtime then is followed by uptime. <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. Uh, you could, If you lay around for six months and don't do anything, let's not pretend you're just taking some downtime. You're doing nothing. Um, knowing your zone time. Um, yeah, I, I know that there's times when I'm a lot more in my creative zest and zeal than I am when I'm in my let's just go ahead and uh, pay bills. Uh, all right. I've got one other tip for you, too. Give it to me. Because we all, we all are on social media either consuming or producing. Producing is one thing, and you can you can batch produce. So if you've got a, like, I've, I've been traveling crazy these really two months, but next week I'm home for three days. So I'm going to schedule four or five podcasts to be done in those two days, hand that off to my editor, but I'm going to be in podcast interview research mode for those two days. And then I'm done with it for two months. So batching things that are similar instead of trying to do it every couple of weeks and then scheduling those things out is one thing you can do. As a consumer of social media, especially the the vanity social media, Instagram, right. Facebook, and, and some even Twitter. If you wait till after 6 p.m. in your time zone, wherever you happen to be, then you can spend very small amounts of time viewing very small amounts of social media that was singled out by all of your, your connections. So if you're on Facebook, all the people that are connected with you on Facebook, they're upvoting basically with their likes and their shares, anything that was interesting to them. So if you trust your group of friends go on at 6 o'clock, and they've already sifted through all of the stuff that's been trickling all day long through the social media feed, and it shows prioritized up in the top of your feed because all the platforms want you to find something relevant and keep digging. If you dig all day long, you're doing that busy work for every other person that's connected to your network. So 
If you enjoy social media and want to see something when you log on, wait till the evening after dinner time and your friends will have already found it for you and put it into place. All right. Downtime, discipline, creative zone, time zone, social media efficiency, which is interesting. Being efficient at social media sounds like you're like, you never said that 20 years ago. Uh, there was no such thing. You wouldn't even said it 10 years ago. Like, being efficient, what are you talking about? It's just a place where you go and waste your time online. And now it's moved into a bit more uh, than that. His name is Rick Roberts. You can find him at rickroberts.com. It's R I K Roberts.com. Couldn't afford the C when I was uh, getting started. A smart dude. He's made his life and a career out of comedy. Most people don't think that it is a business. So other lessons that the the non-comedic among us can learn from. You're really smart about treating your business like a business. You talk about money. Most people don't. Do you talk to your kids about money? Very much so. In fact, they, uh, my son who's 14 knows exactly what I do for a living. And he, he when, here's what I've learned. When they ask a question, that means they're ready for the answer. Early on, maybe I was I was telling him things that were just bouncing off his brain. He was a little too young, but at fourteen, he's starting to see, you know, high school coming up next year, which means college is around the corner. So we've talked about that. What that means, cars will be two two three years down the road, depending on when he wants to get in them. And so show him what things cost. Uh, the great thing about what we do is if you do it well, it's it's a good living. And to show him that there's other options out there. If he doesn't pursue what I do, that are still fine. But this is kind of what you're going to need to make in order to live in this kind of place and have this kind of lifestyle. And you might get lucky and find something that you you love, like I did. You might not for a while. Uh, even when I first started, I had a couple of jobs I did so I could do what I loved at night until it flipped, and then the jobs were keeping me away from opportunities. But I definitely talked to him about money. And along those lines, my biggest thing it took me a long time to learn, but I'm more on the radar with now is when to cut and let something go that's not generating money but it's taking too much time okay that's a lesson anybody can learn uh you just talked about a couple of things talk to your children about money especially when they start to ask that means they're curious and they need some answers versus saying oh well you wait till you're an adult wait till you're an adult okay you did a really good thing there you run your business you look at it you're very honest about it you do realize that you're in business to make a profit so you can pay for your family uh the last thing you just said was uh, that I'm happy, I'm lucky to be doing something that I love. <laughs> Talk about the switch. When yeah. you could go from, you had your day job and then the thing that you wanted to be your business and then you made your business and you supplemented it with your, uh, your side work. And now obviously it's all of your business. You still look at it and say, hmm, what am I going to do better next year? Always do. And actually, the, the, I'm a slow learner, but once I get a concept, I like to run with it. But it took me a while to, to schedule Every once in a while, I look back and say, what have I learned in the past year or two that I can apply now to the business? And for me, so a great example of recently, I've taught comedy classes to people who have comedy on their bucket list that want to go do an open mic, or maybe they're a speaker who wants to get a little bit funnier. I've done that for 10 or 12 years at least. But recently, in conversations with other speakers, they were like, we would love a two-day workshop where we get nuts and bolts of exactly where in our speeches we can put this and that i wasn't teaching that at the basic class i was teaching how to write jokes and the different ways you can surprise people with the laugh and so listening to what people needed and realizing oh i can teach this now because i've not only taught classes for 10 or 12 years i've also been a speaker now since 2008 i understand how speakers approach a subject i understand how comics approach it 
and I am qualified to, to help these speakers with this now. Two or three years ago, I, I would have just said, ah, come to my comedy class and see if it... In fact, I did that with several people that were speakers. Come to a comedy class, you'll learn something you can use. All right. Now, speaking of all this, and this is our last point, you are doing a brilliant job of taking people and showing them because of your 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 gift, plus also your experience and your hard work of almost 30 years. You can take someone and say, all right, here's this your story, your point. Here's what you're trying to communicate, but you're not communicating it very well. But since I'm a professional communicator using comedy, I'm going to show you how to put it a little bit of an entertainment spin to it, boil it down in a, in a way that the audience understands, and then put it out there so that they grasp it. You're doing that now for individuals, and you'd like to be doing this for corporate people. Yeah, and I think if, if, if you're in front of an audience or an organization, and you're not communicating the vision, the goals, and the culture every time you get up to speak clearly enough to where they can remember it and apply it, then you're failing in the leadership position, and they're not going to learn anything from that. But by being able to take the information, whether it's data or monthly or yearly annual reports or this year's income versus last year, and breaking it down in a way that makes relevant sense to them. And you can have fun doing that. It doesn't have to be a comedy club laugh every six seconds. But if you if you keep them entertained and engaged with that message, then they can tell their spouse what they do for a living. I, I know a lot of people, when I ask them what they do for a job, they go, well, I go in, and yeah. they really don't even know what their purpose is in the bigger scheme of things. All right, so that's that's brilliant, by the way. And yes, they can't if you can't say what you do in one sentence uh, without using your job title, then you need to uh, clarify that. Rick Roberts, find him at rikrickroberts.com. And if you are a person that struggles to communicate, he now has this as one of his new offerings. In addition to being a speaker and a comedy guy and having the School of Laughs comedy uh, school, uh, he also now is working with people, teaching them how to communicate better. Closing thought? I just think if you have a specific thing that you're struggling with, just like this podcast, I Google podcasts uh, all the time with my question because I can understand it more if two people discuss it than if I just go to uh, an article that was written and it has a little checklist of three things you need to do. Hearing people work through a problem is the best way for me to learn. Maybe it will be for you, and you can rewind it, listen, take notes, pause at your discretion. But just like YouTube is a great search engine for how-to videos, podcasts, I think, take you deeper. And whatever your question is, somebody's asked it on a podcast, and if they've done their work with the podcast, it's searchable. He's not just he's not just funny. He's also brilliant. He's I'm not all, even funny. That's he, the best part. I was able to do all this without cracking a joke. Yeah, you see? And he's also brilliant. He's also my friend. Till next time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here, Rick. We'll see you. Till next time. It's the Do Business Better podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of Do Business Better, please share it. And be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, and Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Send us a message. We're always looking for compelling stories and business lessons our listeners can benefit from. Thank you. Thank you.